0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. Man, well I am honored to kick off uh, our series, The Weekend that oh, you guys are great. You guys are awesome. Thank you guys. Honored to kick off our series, The Weekend That Changed the World. Obviously talking about the greatest weekend that changed the world. The greatest weekend in the universe is when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead, so that we can have a new life. Amen? And we're going to work our way there to Easter Sunday. But today can be the weekend that changes your world. I said today can be the weekend that changes your world. But I want you to know it's not going to happen without a fight. The title of my message is, Not Without a Fight. Because anything great that God does comes through a fight. The weekend that changed the world, oh, there was a big fight that went on that weekend. We're going to look at a story in the Bible of another man whose weekend was changed through a fight. And I'm going to share a little bit about the weekend that changed my world in hopes that it will inspire you to change your world. Amen? If you have your Bibles, let's look to Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. We're talking about Jacob. Very popular story, but it's so inspirational. You just got to read this. I'm going to jump right in because God's about to move. Are you ready for breakthrough? Yes. Hit the neighbor next to you. said, breakthrough is, breakthrough is coming. Oh, but right now, though. Here we go. You ready? Yes. Genesis 32 says, so Jacob was left alone. Then the man said, your name will no longer become Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Now what I love about this story is that it shows what it really takes for God to change a life. If you really want God to rock your world, you're going to have to fight. You see, the interesting thing about this story is Jacob was minding his own business all alone under a stressful situation, and he thought it was a man who he was wrestling with until the dude says, you know, I'm just going to knock your hip out with just a touch. And when you experience something like that, he realized, I'm not just wrestling a man. This is God. And when you realize you have God in close quarters with you, this guy says, I don't care what you do. You knock off both my hips whatever. I ain't going to let you go because I need you to change my life. You see, a lot of times it's when we, we two are left alone that God sometimes decides to pick a fight with us. He picks a fight with us. Mm, I'm, not, I'm getting too far. I'm getting too far. Okay, let's, back it, let's back it up real quick. When God really wants to change your world, he'll put you in a place where you have to fight. I share this story very deeply because when I first gave my life to the Lord, I had to fight. But my story, I didn't really have to fight so much to get saved, but I had to fight to stay saved. You see, I was 14 years old. I grew up in a Catholic home. I knew that Jesus died on a cross. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. I knew there was a God. Honestly, what I thought about God, I thought God was this old dude sitting on a throne with a long white beard just saying, you better be good. Kind of like Santa if you think about it, right? Like, you better be good. I'm like, okay, I'll be good. God's going to get you. That was what I thought of God. And it wasn't until I went into junior high school and I met a friend named Paul. Paul and his mother are here tonight. God bless you guys. Good to see you. I met this guy named Paul, and I was a musician. I played guitar, and I wanted to jam out with this guy. But, but the thing about Paul is he told me his, his drum set was in church, and he couldn't play with me. And I'm like, bro, what? I'm Catholics, come on. We don't have drum sets in church. So I'm like, why do you have a drum set in your church? So uh, I began to tease him. I began to yell through the, across the hallways, hallelujah, Paul, where's your drums? Hallelujah. Oh, I teased Paul. Paul got so angry with me. He told his mom, there's this guy that keeps picking on me, and I really want to beat him up. His name is Frankie, and Paul, Paul, Paul's mom, Lisa, is a woman of God. Come on. And she said, let's pray for Frankie. Show me who Frankie is. So it was one day after, see, I see, I was in, I played guitar. I, I loved heavy metal music. I had long hair. I had an anarchy necklace on. I had my shredded jeans before shredded jeans were cool. Come on. So I'm out there doing my thing, and then Paul shows them, that's him. That's the guy. And she goes, oh, we got to fast and pray. <laughs> but come on. I'm grateful for somebody who fasts and prays. Amen. Let me also tell you this story. Side note. Sometimes we think that in America in 2019 that we don't need to evangelize to anybody because everybody knows about Jesus. I'm so grateful that Paul and Lisa didn't think that. I'm so grateful that they, they said, you know what, let's share the gospel with this person. Come on. People still need to have the gospel shared with them. Anyway, so, so Paul, me and Paul are hanging out just doing whatever we do. And he starts telling me stories about Jesus. It blows my mind. It's literally the first time I ever heard the gospel. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I, for, I never heard the gospel. He starts telling me about Jesus. I said, oh, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? He says, oh, talk to my mom. <laughs> literally, he, so his mom came to my house to pick him up because we were chilling at my house. I go to the car and go, hey, Lisa, Paul was telling me about Jesus and he says that I can, like, get, you know, give my life to What do I got to do? Oh, you want to give your life to Jesus? Yeah. She's like, we'll talk next week. <laughs> Strike two. Come on, guys. That's not cool. Anyway, so I literally, next week, they're moving apartments, okay? And I, I'm, I'm helping them move because we're friends. That's what we do, you know? And I find out that we're, we're helping them move, and, and, and Lisa buys us lunch, but she didn't eat. And I said, Paul, why do not you, oh, she's fasting. I didn't know she was fasting for me. She's praying for me. All of a sudden, Paul falls asleep because he was a bad friend at that time. <laughs> Lisa shares the gospel with me. I give my life to Jesus Christ. My life is forever changed, right? I go home. They give me a ride home. I literally have no idea what happened because I've never heard the gospel. I've never even been in a church, Christian church. So I go home and I say, what happened to me again? Because I'm so excited. I felt something. I said, I want to tell my parents what just happened. I don't even know what happened. You got saved. I got what? Saved. I got saved. I got saved. I got saved. Okay, I got saved. I literally go home. I say, mom, dad, I got saved today. <laughs> They're like, oh, that's cool. Like, really? Really? So you'd think that, wow, beautiful story, right? 14-year-old guy gives his life to Jesus. Life is going to be so amazing. I'm telling you, the fight wasn't so much for me to get saved but to stay saved. Because, you see, at 14 years old, I got something happened. You, you see, we read the stories when Jesus called someone, follow me. I mean, they literally dropped their nets. Someone left their dad in a boat and followed Jesus. Well, no joke that happened to me. I left everything. I wanted Jesus so bad. I don't know what. It just it clicked for me. So I would come home, They gave me. I'd come home every day from school, I'd rush through my homework, and I'd read the Bible literally for hours. I was just soaking this thing in. It was, it was changing my life to the point where my parents got concerned. They literally got concerned. We don't like the fact that you're reading that Bible all the day long. Why don't you go do what normal kids do? It came to the point, guys, where they took my Bible away. They said, we don't want you reading the Bible. Give me your Bible. I didn't have a Bible. And I'm like, wow, well, that sucks. (laughs) It came to the point where my parents said, we don't want you going to church anymore either. So they said, you're not allowed to go to church. So I'm like, okay, now I don't have a Bible. I can't go to church. It came to the point where they literally went to my friend's house and talked to their parents. and says, we don't want you your kids talking to Frankie because your family is Christian and we don't want you to influence him to be Christian. So they went to my parents and said, I can't do that anymore. And so at the time, I literally, it came to the point where I, Sunday mornings my parents would sleep in, so I literally snuck out of my house on a Sunday morning. I took two buses and a trolley to go to church, and I sat there in the front row, and then I asked somebody, please give me a ride home before my parents find out I'm at church. (laughs) They got so upset, guys, that they, we had pastors in our house, two different sets of pastors from two churches I tried to go to, and they says, we do not want our son, we're letting you know our son is a minor, he's not allowed in your church, if you see him in your church, he is against our will, do not let him in your church. It came to the point where after they found out I was sneaking out to go to church, they said, we're not going to have this anymore. You can't be sneaking out to go to church. You know, uh, you know before I go, there was a time too. there was a great. Uh, there was a guy that was helping me. And see, my parents they didn't let me go to church, but, they, my, but my dad loved for me to work. He wanted me to have a good work ethic. So I worked with this guy who was a Christian who was discipling me. And he didn't know that, or maybe he didn't care because he knew I was working, and I would work with this guy, and we would clean banks, but he didn't know as we were cleaning banks, he would be discipling me. Have you been reading your Bible? Do you know, Frankie, even though they said you can't read your Bible, there's Christian radio. You could hear preaching on the radio. So I would literally go in my room, and I'd hear preaching. I'd hear Chuck Smith and Raul Reese preaching on the radio, and I'd say, I don't need to go to church. I got church right here. All of a sudden, it came to the point where they said, you know, there's actually church services on tv on sunday morning so i'd wake up and i'd watch people i didn't even know who they were i didn't care who they were i wasn't looking for the most popular pastor i didn't care who he was i just wanted to hear the word i came to the point no joke true story they said you know what we can't have this anymore we are going to have a meeting with a catholic priest As a family. And I want you to agree to me. This is my dad. He said, I want you to agree with me. Whatever the priest says goes, do you agree to that? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I I said, I was a little defiant because I knew I was right. Come on. (laughs) When you're serving Jesus, you're right. I said, yeah, I agree to it. So I told the guy that was discipling me, I said, hey, man, we're having this meeting. He says, Frankie, you need to fast and pray. What's that? You're not going to eat. I'm like, ooh, prop, prop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know. I mean, I know I'm willing to do anything for Jesus, but yeah, come on now, come on now. Oh, he said, you need, you're not going to eat, and you're going to pray instead of eating, and it empowers your prayers. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do, I'll do, I won't eat, and I'm going to pray. So literally, we go to this meeting, guys, and, and this church, and it was, it was me, my two brothers, my mom, and my dad, and this priest, and we're sitting at this table, and the priest goes, what seems to be the issue? On my dad, here he goes, he goes, I'll tell you what the issue is. He's the issue. <laughs> he wants to go to a Christian church and read a Christian Bible and, and, and go to a Christian, you know, and he's not following the Catholic traditions and this and this and that. He goes on his rampage, and I'm just like listening, whatever. So the priest turns to me, okay, Frankie, what's, what do you have to say about all this? And I had stuff prepared, but as soon as it was my turn, I just started crying. Oh, I broke down. I broke down because I knew it meant a lot. And I said, listen, I don't know and understand all this. I, I, don't, I don't understand. All I know is that my life sucked. Someone told me about Jesus, and I love Jesus. I want to learn about Jesus. I ain't meaning to cause trouble, priest. Come on. I said, I ain't trying to cause trouble. I just I just want to learn about this Jesus. Because I feel like I have a purpose when Jesus is close. So the priest says, he looked at me, he looked at my dad. He says, he looked right at my dad. He says, I want you to let him go. You ever seen the cartoon when they get like red? <laughs> oh, no joke. I saw it live. It was like, I looked at my dad. He said, Let him go. I just put my head down. I knew better than to look my dad in the eye at that point. I'm like, Oh yeah, oh yeah, he he got what? But he couldn't say anything cuz he made me agree whatever the priest says goes. Whatever the priest says goes. I'm like, "Hey, you said it." So, we go home. I'm super quiet. I don't say a word. It's it's like it's like no no music. No, it's just quiet. We're all I go home, I literally start jumping in my room. I'm like, "Thank you Jesus. I can go to church." You think it would have stopped, right? It did it. All of a sudden, my dad went to school because he found out on Thursdays that I would go to this Christian club at my school. My dad went to the school and went to the assistant principal and says, we need to have a meeting because I hear you guys have a Christian club that meets on Thursday, and I do not want or approve of my son attending this club. The principal laughed and says, you know, sir, I can't make him not go because it's his club. you got to understand, it. he speaks there like every week. He's preaching. I, I, I was like, I can't. It's his club. <laughs> I'm like, wow. You think it would have got good, right? It didn't. It came to the point where things got so heated. You know, I, 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 I'm telling you, when Jesus changes your life, nothing else matters. So I got so fired up for God that I would literally preach every Thursday at my high school. And at the church I was going to, it was Christmas time. I wanted to have a great big uh, evangelistic outreach, right? So I asked my church to give me some Bibles, and they gave me 50 Bibles. And I said, I'm going to take these Bibles, and we're going to preach the gospel, and we're going to get some students saved at school. It's going to be awesome. And no joke, that morning, my mom gets in a big argument with me about Jesus, and she grabs these Bibles, and she says, I don't want you to live here anymore. I want you to take your Jesus and get out. She usually, she threw them all over the driveway. I picked them up, I'm tears in my eyes, and I'm like, God, why are things so hard? I thought if I gave my life to you, things would be easy. I go to school that day and I preach with, literally with tears in my eyes. But everything seemed to redeem itself when I saw 50 hands go up. Hmm. Come on. I, didn't ha- I ran out of Bibles. Come on. I gave everybody my Bible. I had no Bible. I went home with an empty bag. Come on. Things got to the point where they said, we don't want you living in our house anymore because you're, influ-. you know what? I led my brother to Christ and they didn't like that. All of a sudden, my brother started hanging out with me. He started to go street witnessing with me. He goes, let's go. He says, no, 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 no. They ki- I got kicked out of my house at 16 years old. I went to go live with a friend of mine for, for just for a season. He says, just for a season, you can come back, but we just need a break from you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You see, there was a point in my life where I was wondering why things were so hard. I saw other students complain about having to go to church, and I'm like, God, why can't I just go? I wanted to go to church so bad, I didn't know why things were so hard. But how many know what the devil meant for evil? God works for the good, come on. You see, I couldn't understand why it had to be a fight. I didn't understand that this wasn't gonna change in my life without a fight. So even though I couldn't understand why I had to fight so hard, what I began to realize was every time I had to fight for God, every time I said yes to God, I said no to something else. I said no to a distraction. I said no to temptation. I said no to sin. You see, as a 16, uh, 14, 15, 16-year-old, 17 year 18-year-old high school student, I didn't have time for sin because I was too busy trying to go to church. You, say, you wanna smoke out? No, I'm trying to figure out how to get a Bible. You got one? You see, see, there's a scripture in the Bible where it says, he trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You see, some of y'all got to understand. You see, just like God told Jacob, let me go. Don't you know God told Jacob that? Not because he couldn't get free. Jacob, let me go. Oh, Jacob must have been really strong. Hey, God saying, begging him, come on, son. That's not what happened. That's not what that was about. God says, let me go. Why? To see how bad he really wanted it. God said, Jacob, let me go. <laughs> that's him like pretending he's stuck. Like, ah, that's what it was. It was, it was, it was so it's supposed to be anyway. But God said, Jacob, let me know, not because he was stuck, because he wanted to see how bad do you want it. Yeah. You see, what I began to understand in my life is every obstacle I had to face as a 14-year-old trying to serve God, every moment and struggle I faced, I felt like God was saying, Frankie, let me go. Wow. No, I'm not going to let you go. Yeah. Kick me out. I was, Frankie, let me go now. Nope. <laughs> Will you let me go now? No. Nope. How many know Jesus wants to be wanted? There's a story in the Bible when Jesus was walking down the road to Emmaus, and he was talking after he resurrected, so people didn't recognize him. And the Bible says that as he was talking with these two disciples that the, their hearts were burning inside of them. But if you read the scripture carefully, the word says, Jesus acted as if he was going to go further. The disciples got to a house, and they pulled over, and they're going, and Jesus, the Bible literally says, Jesus acted. He pretended. Gonna go now, guys. I'm gonna take off. Here I go. I'm packing up. You see me? Jesus wants to be wanted. See, Jesus wants to see how bad we are willing to fight for God. God wants to do some great things in your life. God wants to do some great things inside of you, but sometimes we gotta be careful with our struggles because sometimes. God can pick a fight with us just to see how bad we want it. Sometimes you're fighting God because you're so focused on overcoming a struggle that you can't play with your sin anymore. Pretty soon you get so used to living without that sin that the addiction's broken. Come on. <clears throat> Are you ready for breakthrough? All right, I'm going to bring it. You ready? Here we go. <clears throat> One of the reasons we need to fight is we got to understand when we're fighting is that Don't misinterpret your struggle. Don't misinterpret your struggle. Things are always a lot harder for those who are called to be a trailblazer. Things are always a lot harder for the trailblazers. Come on. You see, the interesting thing about trailblazers, though, is they don't understand that they're trailblazers. They're just trying to, wonder why life is so hard. You see, you gotta understand there is a reason why Jacob had to fight so hard. There's a reason why God picked a fight with Jacob to make sure he would really fight and not mess things up. And I'm gonna tell you why, you ready? Jacob's family looked like they were cursed. You see, Jacob's grandfather is someone we know as Abraham, someone who we refer to as the father of, the, of faith, Right? You see, the thing about Abraham is you gotta follow me, watch this story, Abraham's wife was barren. After years, 25 years I believe of waiting, they had a baby and then their baby Isaac got married and Isaac's wife was barren. And then Isaac had to fight through stuff. They had a baby named Jacob and Jacob gets married Jacob's wife is barren. Now, just look at this story. Just look at it. Look at the picture with me. What would you think? If you knew somebody whose grandparents struggled with barrenness, and then their children barrenness, and then their children. I mean, honestly, as any minister, what would we call that? We'd call it like a generational curse, right? It looks like a generational curse to me, right? But the interesting thing was, was it really a generational curse or was it a generational blessing that you had to fight for? You see, because if I'm not mistaken, I remember it was God who said to Abraham, you will be the father of many nations. You will, I am going to bless you to be a blessing. I'm, okay, I'm, I'm going to read you one more scripture. Look at this verse. It says in Isaiah chapter 46, let's look at verse 9. It says, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God, there is no one like me, who what? Declaring the end from the beginning. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. I love this verse because it says... That God is the God who declares the end from the beginning. A couple great things about that. First of all, if God declares the end from the the beginning, in other words, he starts with the end in mind, right? So he doesn't create you and wonder what you're going to do, what purpose. He actually creates your purpose first, and then he creates you to walk into your purpose. Okay? But the problem with this story is this. You see, so if that's true, I believe when, when Abraham was being formed, he began to, You see, the problem is he said declare. Declare means to speak out with your mouth, right? So in other words, what that means is when God was forming Abraham, he began to speak with his mouth. How many know you got to watch what you speak around certain people? Oh, how many of you can't share your deepest dreams with not just everybody? Come on. Especially the theas. Come on. You can't just, you got to watch what you declare. (laughs) Theas is the ants. They're known to gossip. Come on. It's just... It's just what their role is in life. (laughs) But this verse, it says that God declares the end from the beginning. So here God was forming Abram, and he begins to declare, speak over his life, you will be the father of many nations. He begins to speak. Okay, watch. I'm going to show you. This This is going to be great. Do you understand that God is referred to in the Bible as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So watch this. Here Abraham comes, and Abraham, God is speaking to Abraham, And God begins to speak, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be the father of multitudes. Out of your family line is going to come. Blessing. Out of your family line is going to become the nation of Israel, God's people. Out of your family line, faith is going to change the whole world. I'm going to use your family to, to, to model faith for generations and generations to come. I'm going to create, your family is going to be such a blessing. You, your family is carrying the blessings of family. Right? So God begins to speak this. Well, I'm here to encourage somebody this evening. I'm here to encourage you because let me tell you something. When God spoke to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations, the devil was listening. See, the number one reason you need to fight is because we have a real enemy. Sorry to tell you that it's not going to be all fun and games and just roses and tulips and whistling and skipping. I wish it was, but we have a real enemy out there. Who don't like anything God's doing. So let me tell you something. Do you get this? Do you, I'm going to paint you this picture. It's going to be awesome, okay? Because God began to speak Abraham's purpose over his life. And yet the devil comes and tries to create a false, a facade, an image. So Abraham sees things differently. God says, I'm going to bless your family." So now Abraham, all he does every day is see barrenness and see barrenness and see barrenness. The devil wants you to see a curse because he's afraid if he doesn't hide what God spoke over your life, you're going to start to believe that what God said about you is true. Come on, you what you gotta understand. See, God has declared something over his family. And do you realize that there, the area of greatest struggle for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was their family? Could it be that your area of greatest struggle could be your area of greatest blessing? Could it be that some of you have been fighting so much and fighting against it because the devil wants you to say, yeah, that's not for me. Could it be that what you're fighting up against is not reality, but could it be just a facade that the devil's working overtime to make you stare at a barren womb when God says, I'm going to bless the nations through you? Come on. Could it be, could it be You see, you got to understand when God says you will walk by faith and not by sight, that was a disclaimer, people. (laughs) That was a disclaimer when God says you're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Why? Because things aren't always going to look the way they should look. You may have to stare at a barren womb for 25 years, but it doesn't mean you ain't blessed. You may have to stare at a barren womb for three generations, but it doesn't mean my promise changes. It doesn't mean what I declared over your life is going to change. Because when God declares something over you, the Bible says he watches over his word to perform it, he protects it, he makes sure nothing's going to change it. Come on. Mm. See, what we got to understand, what we got to understand is that I'm a little upset. I get a little upset because I know the devil tries to make you believe something different about your life. See, I know you get your hopes up. You come to see through. You get a powerful faith where you leave this place and you stare at a dead bank account. You stare at a broken marriage Monday through Saturday and then you come here and God speaks something good. And then you go back home and you see your struggle and you see your struggle, and you see your struggle. I'm telling you, if anybody, if Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were on Jerry Springer, they would say they are cursed. Say, <laughs> so, dude, you got it bad, bro. <laughs> you got it bad. I mean, dude, this is God's people, God's chosen people. Abraham, Isaac, I mean, come on, three generations of barrenness, come on. Anyone would label that a generational curse, but it was not a generational curse. It was a generational blessing that needed to be fought for. That means that what God is trying to do in your life, the generational blessing that God's trying to do in you. Some of you are trailblazers in this place and you're wondering why you got to fight so hard. Some of y'all wanted to start a business and nothing seems to be working. So you're like, well, maybe Pathfinders wasn't for me. Maybe it's just not my call. Maybe it's, no, maybe you just got to fight for it. Come on. You see, I send my kid to my city three times and they don't like it. They don't want to go back. So I I just don't think my kid's going to serve Jesus. Maybe you got to fight for your kid. Come on. You see, I've been trying to get out of debt, but it just doesn't seem I paid my tithe and nothing. Maybe you got to, come on. Maybe you got to fight for it. You see, what I'm trying to tell you, it doesn't always come easy. And I'm thankful that Jesus, at 14 years old, he taught my hands to war. He taught my hands to war so that when things get rough now, oh, I'm like, oh, it's just wartime. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Where are my gloves at? Oh, he wants to bounce this week. Let's go. Oh, you're preaching Sunday. Frank, let me throw some stuff at you. Let's go. I'm still going to preach anyway. Come on. And at the right service. <laughs> Come on. I'm still gonna preach anyway come on somebody see i'm here to encourage some of you who've been discouraged and as i'm speaking this word to you some of you who've been discouraged faith is rising up inside of you because you've been staring at something that discourages you and i want you to see i want you to see are you ready you look, at, look at look at look at this Do you know that the barrenness stopped after Jacob? Jacob's kids didn't struggle with barrenness. Jacob's kids never struggled with barrenness. Because Jacob was the third. It was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And three is the number of wholeness, the number of completion. That's why there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus stayed in the tomb for three days. That's why Jonah was in the well for three days. Because sometimes it takes three generations, come on, to establish what God wants to do in your life. Come on. Some of y'all, come on. Mm. What does the Bible say? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of something you can't see. Come on, have we overlooked that verse? Have you overlooked that verse? It's plain, it's simple, it's right there. Faith is the proof of what you can't see. And we cry because we can't see it. We cry because it doesn't look like anything's happening. But that's faith. Faith has seen it in here before you see it out here. And when you see it in here, come on, you can stare at a dead woman and say, I'm still the, the father of many nations. See, I'm here to encourage you this night because some of you have been staring at at some very discouraging things in your life. You've been staring at some stagnant ministries in your life. You've been staring at some things that just don't be, seem to be working, but I'm, under the sound of my voice, faith is rising right now. Faith is rising in your spirits, and God is opening your eyes to begin to see that just because you don't see it in the natural doesn't mean God ain't working in your life. Just because you can't see it in the natural doesn't mean God's still gonna do it. It's called the eyes of faith where you see things that aren't as though they are. Because when you walk by faith, you tap into the supernatural. And even at 100 years old, that barren womb began to open up. And out came a child. And so here, Jacob's fighting, okay? His name gets changed to Israel. Israel. He had 12 sons who were known as the 12 tribes of Israel. Come on. You see, sometimes when you get to the end result and see the blessing, that's why it was such a fight. That's why it was so hard. See, see, I didn't understand at 14 why I had to fight so hard. I didn't know that at 14 years old, I was fighting for my city at 2019. I didn't know why at 14 years old, when I got kicked out of my house and I walked in the dark crying, saying, God, where are you? I didn't realize it was so somebody can give their life to Jesus on April 7th, 2019. You see, you don't know what you're fighting for. You don't know what you're fighting for, but God has declared something over your life. When you were in your mother's womb, God declared something over your life and the devil doesn't like it. God spoke something about you that the angels know, that God knows, and the devil knows. And the devil says, I can't let them know what God said about them. I can't let them know what God said about them. So he works. Oh, you have a generation of curse. You're cursed. Look at you. Come on, somebody. Well, you we want to hear what's so beautiful? Abraham. What did God say to Abraham? God said, "Abraham, I want you to look up at the stars. You see the stars? As many as you can count, that's going to be your offspring." He said that to him when his wife was barren. He said, "Abraham, look at the sand on the seashore. You see all those grains of sand? That's as many as your offspring's going to be." While his wife was barren. What's <laughs> so beautiful about that? is that now, whether Abraham's head is lifted high and he's feeling great, and he looks up and he says, God, you're faithful, you're gonna bless me, I know it. Or whether Abraham's head is low and he's having a bad day, he sees the sand or the stars, the sand or the stars. Whether you're having a good day or a bad day, God is faithful. Whether things look good or things look bad, God is faithful. You see, God set Abraham up. And I want you to know that God said you have to look at the stars and you have to look at the sand. Two physical things that you can see. Because in the natural, I don't want you to stare at that womb. I don't want you to stare at the barren womb. I want you to stare at the stars. I want you to stare at the sand. Not the womb. See multitudes. See multitudes. Let me tell you something. Stop checking your bank account. It's the same it was an hour ago, I promise. (laughs) Stop complaining about how your kid don't wanna live for Jesus. Stop complaining about how hard things are and start looking at your promise. Come on, start seeing your children serving God. Start seeing, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, come on. Look at the sand. Start looking at your promise. Maybe you need to get some stars and sand in your life. I don't know what it looks like. Get a picture. Get a photo. Get something. Get a scripture. Paste it somewhere. Get something you can look at in the natural that reminds you what God put in your spirit. Don't look at the barren womb. Look at the promise. And watch God move in your life. Amen. Amen.